www.kpfa.tv podcast network. Hey, Marks. Happy feast. What was that? That's, uh, that's just Dave. He's, he's getting divorced. Hey, Dave. Uh, I'm in the middle of something, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 161, for the week of June 26, 2017. I am chicken or fish, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Pyramid Schemey, Sarah D. Bunting. Bitch better have my money. <laughs> Body roller, Tara Ariano. Body roll. And Body roll. Mama Jammer, Kimberly. Hurtful. Welcome to Extra Hot Great. Joining us this week is the lovely Kim Reed of Little House on the Podcast. Hello, Kim. Hi, Kim. Hello. We are going Yay! to... But first, site business. We are off next week for the July 4th holiday. We will not have a big episode on the 5th, and there will not be minis following that, but we will be back the following week, um, July 12th, with a new episode. A topic TBD. We haven't discussed it yet. We're playing fast and loose with our schedule. Now, to our lead topic today, Playing House uh, returned Friday night for its third season. Much delayed, we now know, because probably of Jessica St. Clair's breast cancer diagnosis, which made it into the show as a storyline for Emma this season. And I have to say, when I read that it was going to be a topic, I was on any other show, I would be really worried that they would be so sappy or that it would be too sad. And I, I'm, but in this case, I was not at all concerned that they would get the right mix of serious friendship stuff and heart and real life stuff and funny, right? Kim, you watched the whole first season because it all dropped on the USA app the day after its premiere on broadcast. What did you think? Well, I love the vibe. I love the show, obviously. Um, I still love the characters, but I, I don't, I didn't quite feel like they got the tone exactly right. I agree with you that it wasn't sappy and it wasn't sad, but I think breast cancer is serious and it sometimes felt like they sort of made it like, well, she had breast cancer. Oh, she's doing fine. Well, she lost a little bit of hair, but she feels great. Like I expected there to be at least one scene where Emma was seemed really sick. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just my naivete. Like maybe people can just go through breast cancer and never seem that down and out. But um, I thought the emotional part they got right, but maybe the physical part I thought, there would be a little bit more, even though it's a sitcom. That said, I love the whole season. Um, and I would watch 85 more seasons of this show <laughs> if they would make it because I just love it that much. I agree. Uh, and I, and, and the funny was there definitely straight from the beginning. They, I love the way they picked back up with Mark. Sarah, he is a favorite of yours. What did you think of the, the premiere, which was where we, where we find out what the resolution was of his relationship with Emma? Um, well, I am a little busy, uh, getting ultrasounds because I am pregnant having seen him in a tuxedo, <laughs> out of a tuxedo. Um, my birthday mate has got it going on, as you know. Um, I have not watched the whole season yet. I only watched the first two. It did feel a little, uh, slower to me this time than it has felt in the past. Maybe I'm just like out of practice with watching it, if that makes any sense, mm. but it felt a little more, like the beats felt a little more predictable, but that was still 
okay. Like I just, I like these characters a lot and I like, you know, this is one of those shows that feels like uh, family members a little bit and that you're tolerant of some things that, you know, like the whole ongoing Kenny Loggins thing from (laughs) past seasons. I don't know if that comes up again. No. I hope, thank God, because it was like, you got to stop with that. It's not nearly as funny as you think it is. But this is one of those shows that's just like, all right, well, they're going to do that and they're enjoying themselves and you just fast forward until it's over. But it it did feel a little more um, predictable and sitcom-y in, you know, just in its rhythms than it had before. Did anyone else find that? Doesn't sound like it. Uh, I thought the first episode was really strong. The second one with bird bones and the pyramid scheme, I thought was a bit flabby. Um, but from there, I thought it was pretty good. Um, the the only other episode that I, I that was a down note for me was the owl crafting slash surprise weed baklava <laughs> episode. Dave is nodding. Dave, do you agree? I do agree, and uh, especially on the heels of that Barney Miller cannon <laughs> presentation. Yeah. Uh, okay. Same, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Same. Here we go know, again with thing. this. And uh, yeah, not really executed all that well. Yeah, no, I do agree, Sarah. I do think it was a little more sitcommy this time around. And speaking to Kim's point earlier about just the physical nature of you know uh, being uh, in cancer treatment, there was this line where they're like, "Yeah, we're going to do this cold cap thing, so your hair doesn't fall out." That's, Thanks, TV. That's it's because it was a real thing that. Jessica Sinclair actually did. Yeah. It was a like a big deal for some reason that they reported in people and stuff. I only yeah. know that because I follow her and her husband on Twitter. Uh-huh. I'm not obsessed. Who, <laughs> and did she who? keep all her hair like yeah, she she, in the show? Really? Yeah. Okay. Why doesn't everybody yeah. do that? I don't know. Maybe it's new. Okay. All right. Well, I thought at the time that seemed very convenient. For it was this. weird that they brought it up and then didn't show how it actually worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, but uh, you're right. It is sort of like you know, you get the vibe that all these actors are really having a good time with each other and it's sort of like a no stress set environment. And that kind of pokes through. But yeah, there was something a little rote about some of the episodes this season. Uh, although I will say, like, th- there were some great highlights. I really enjoyed the return of the girl from Best Friends Forever. Oh, yes. In the Game <laughs> yeah. of Thrones yep. uh, Sweet 13 party. Uh, that they throw uh that was great that's such a like great character and uh it was nice to see her come back and uh it's kind of weird like the 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 shared universe they've created it's sort of like <laughs> a uh, video game too archer and frisky two. dingo you yeah. know it's like yes you know there's enough here where the nerds will say it's a shared universe but it's kind of not but it, you know it's kind of fun that they bring it in yeah the video game too and stuff like that um yeah, I I appreciate the way the show has built a world, and in especially in the episode where where Emma has her surgery, having all of the cops show up in the waiting room to support Maggie, um, and then they that they brought all back back so many of the same cops that we already know from the season one Magic Mike episode, and then they do a routine like to get their minds <laughs> off it. I thought that was sweet. And what did that work for you or no? Yeah, no, it totally did. And another thing I liked about this season. And I I think, Tara, you mentioned this in your write-up of the season two finale, how they didn't end on the romance. They ended on the friendship. Yeah, yeah. And when they started up this season, they don't immediately, like, make a big deal about Emma and Mark. It starts out with the friendship again. Mm -hmm. And I just love how this show, it's such a 
rarity in television uh, puts the female friendship front and center. That's mm-hmm. the most important part of the show. Yeah. And the romance part is there, but it's not the most important part of the show. Yeah. And also that they didn't make a big deal about it. Like, Ooh, it's a, you know, this isn't Dawson's Creek, although that is mentioned <laughs> in the <laughs> yes. episodes uh, in the season. But um, I just love the portrayal of the female friendship. And like you said, there's all these tertiary characters that keep coming back per actor availability. I'm guessing um, that make it really enjoyable, sort of Gilmore girlsy and mm-hmm. in that nature and fun to watch. Speaking of female friendships and tertiary characters, does anybody buy that Burr Bones is still in everybody's life the way <sighs> they brought it in? Because I didn't yeah. buy that at all. That would not happen. Even with people we're supposed to believe are as good and pure and whatever <laughs> as everybody in this idyllic show, no way that is happening because there's just too many overlapping you know vectors and 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 collisions and quirks and quarks going on there i i'm i i hear you from a realism point of view no that's not possible i mean maybe if this if their positions were reversed and it was maggie because obviously maggie is a nicer person than emma that might have worked out but i'm willing to forgive it because i think tina is such a funny character and i don't know how else they could integrate her sarah and kim what do you guys think yeah i think um if it were just that Maggie and Emma were kind of mean to her in high school or not, they weren't mean to her, but they were mean behind her back, I guess. Um, And that had all come out. Then I think they could all still be friends, but the whole ex-wife, you know, new girlfriend, that's a, that is a little hard to believe that it would work out, but I'm willing to, like I said, I'll look past a lot of things just so that I can spend more time with these characters. So I'm fine with it. Sarah. Yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it. I agree that it's not realistic and someone would move away like she would. Mm-hmm. Um, I had more of a problem with her Priscilla Presley hair. <laughs> that, yeah. that actress should not have that hair color at all, but she's she's so game. And I had just seen Bring It On again over the weekend. Edited and it's like VH1. every time. <laughs> yeah, every time. And they, oh God, they've chopped it to hell. But um, every time she's on screen in playing house. I'm like platter championships. Hello. I don't know. I love her. So yeah, it's not realistic, but that's one of those, like, then you have to start sort of examining the, the idea that it's not necessarily realistic that they would all have come back to, or have stayed in this suburb necessarily in, you know, today's world. So yeah, I don't I don't look too closely at that. It doesn't bother me. Let's run down some of the new recurring characters this season and we can just do around the horn h- how we feel about them. Starting with the first one who's introduced in the premiere, Cookie, the uh, martial arts instruction slash Bruce's new girlfriend. Kim, your thoughts? Uh, I like her. I'm a thumbs up on Cookie. I enjoyed her. Okay. She seems like every CrossFit trainer I've come across here. <laughs> She's like they're they're clones. They 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 make CrossFit trainers in vats somewhere, and they're all very similar. So yeah, well cast. They do, but I like the the extra color that they gave her in that that later episode when she comes back. Sarah, um, I was fine with her. I think she's a good fit for Bruce. Uh, I thought she was a little too like Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids mm. with mm-hmm. the acting choices, but. Like on her own, eh. But yeah. with Bruce, she's funny. The two of them playing the game and nailing everything in one word was so <laughs> funny to me. That yeah, was that great. was good. Uh, Jeff, the nurse, uh, Maggie's work buddy, Kim. 
he was okay. Yeah. I feel like it's a character we've seen on other sitcoms, perhaps done better or more shaded. Yeah. Maybe he seemed yeah. a little stereotypy. I to agree. Me. Yeah. He's basically playing his same guy from 30 rock, Sarah. Um, yeah, I liked him fine, but I did find myself wishing that, um, Ike Barinholtz's character from Mindy Project could just be like, <laughs> teleported over to basically play the same character and be Ike Barinholtz and have puppies mm-hmm. in the scenes. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I would yeah, not he be was fine. Of that. Uh, Clive, Dr. Clive, the new love interest for Maggie, Kim. I was calling him in my head, um, handsomer British Bill Simmons, because I think he looks like Bill Simmons, but handsomer. <laughs> oh, and then British. he does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Dr. Popsicle. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was fine. Like, I, I like that Maggie has a love interest. Um, it was pretty obvious from the second he was introduced that he was going to be Maggie's of love course, interest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but again, I don't watch the show for like twists and turns that I didn't <laughs> see coming. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what the show is. <laughs> yeah. So it was fine. He seemed to have pretty good chemistry with the rest of the cast. Um, There's a later episode. I guess it's actually the finale, which I won't spoil. But he has some scenes with Keegan-Michael Key Mm -hmm. um, by himself. And I enjoyed their rapport. You know, I was kind of wondering how he would fit in with the rest of the cast. And he seems like he does. So I'm okay with him. Yeah. Dave? Uh, A little too much Mindy Project in my... uh playing house it feels very mindy projecty that whole just because it was a hospital, british doctor, oh, british doctor yeah, yeah. It, it did kind of I yeah. like, see that. you know i don't know mix it up doesn't need to be british i don't know just it's, seemed very it, it it seemed like it really was like oh was this is just like the mindy project that's weird that'd be like so similar and like it shot sort of the same way and everything too mm-hmm. so it just seemed yeah but did, you know i thought they were going i thought they were going for hugh grant because they were going for like the classic rom-com kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. well, he comes up the a lot. stammering. Yeah. The Bridget Jones right. diary was mentioned in several, at least one, possibly more episodes mm-hmm. in this season, at least. Did you recognize him from the thick, the thick of it, Dave? No, he was one of the, yeah. Lib- now that you say it, yeah, leaders, now that you say it, I know exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The one that was always with the other guy. Yeah. It's very helpful. Watch the thick of it. It's on Hulu. He's we the rec- one who's always with the other guy. <laughs> we recently did a rewatch of it. I guess that was last on year at this point. But with the places. Whatever. Uh, am I forgetting anybody? They don't recur, but I liked the uh, the doctor team of Laurie Metcalf and Michaela Watkins. I thought they were great. Yes. I like their their energy as a team and separate. I thought they were good. They were good at yeah. being that kind of doctor that is doing bedside manner by rote, I thought. Mm. Like I don't think they were I don't think Lori Metcalf's portrayal was like a genuine human being as much as it was a really good take on people that have to deal with this thing day after day after day. Yeah. And well, that's, she's a that's the doctor mask they put on yeah, to totally. deal with everything. I totally got that vibe from her mm-hmm. yeah and I, I, i'm sure that was a choice and I, I thought oh yeah she's that exactly that type of you know professional but i thought their scenes were like meant to to sort of to elevate the the maggie emma friendship more like to show how how the two of them were responding as a team i love their their scene in that first consult where Ma- emma's like i have a baby at home well she's not my daughter and then maggie's like oh my god i'm gonna start crying again maggie's like yes she is I thought that was re- there. The writing in those scenes were w- was really nice. I thought I really am crying again, you guys. <laughs> oh, Sarah, you got a lot of good stuff to look forward to. I it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good season. The the finale was like so over the top, but they all are like they. That's where they they save their craziest shit for. And I I was here for it for sure this season. Kim, you got there. What did you think? 
Yeah, I like the episodes best where Maggie and Emma are getting into Laverne and Shirley style hijinks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's definitely what the finale is. So that is my favorite type of episode. I feel like they did more of that in previous seasons, not just in the finale. I just rewatched seasons one and two before I watched season three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might be conflating things in my head a little bit, but um, it's nice to have a finale that has that, but then doesn't involve Kenny Loggins, Sarah. So you will <laughs> yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> I, yeah, I am very pleased. This is one of those times when my um, whatever non-version to spoilers uh, is is really handy because now I know exactly what to expect. Yeah, and I'm about it. Yeah, but, I mean, once you have Kenny Loggins on the show, I mean that storyline is kind of burnt. I think so. Yeah. Wise of them to leave that aside. All right. Well, so it sounds like we're all pro playing house. You can watch uh, new episodes. Friday nights back to back on USA starting at 11 Eastern, or if you wish, they are all on demand now on the USA app, probably on USA network.com if you have a cable authentication. So we, as always, recommend it. Check it out. Uh, this ad brought to you by the Pelfrey Foundation Ultimate Oatmeal oh. Raisin Cookies. <laughs> Ingredients one and a quarter cups brown sugar packed, one cup butter softened, one teaspoon baking soda, one teaspoon ground cinnamon. One teaspoon pure vanilla extract, half teaspoon of salt, two eggs, three cups of oats, cup and one third of flour, one cup of raisins, preheat (laughs) oven to 350 Fahrenheit, mix together that brown sugar and the butter till it's smooth, stir in baking soda, cinnamon, vanilla, and the salt, add your eggs, stir until blended, stir in those oats, flour, and raisins, Drop rounded tablespoonfuls onto ungreased cookie sheet, about two inches apart, guys. Bake for nine to 11 minutes or until lightly browned. Remove from cookie sheet at once and a cool on a wire rack. And then, guys, enjoy oatmeal, raisin, cookies, raisins, the official fruit of extra hot grate until somebody buys an ad. That says God, otherwise. Big apricot. Where are you he at? Like Scrubby <laughs> as me. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to see. Time to ask. Will Dave hate that? Probably. To express your hatred of raisins, go to previously TV slash ads. Okay. Uh, this news broke late, la- uh, too late for us to discuss it on our last big podcast. Like 10 minutes too late. Honestly, yeah. it was. Um, so we're bringing it up this time. Dracula, I'm reading from Variety Story, is getting the Sherlock treatment with the writers and producers of the hit BBC detective series reuniting for a new take on the Bram Stoker vampire classic. Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat will write the series and Sue Virtue's Heartwood Films will produce. Uh, so we, this isn't coming probably until next year, it looks like. This, I'm going to say Dave will not hate this at, and here's me qualifying it. He'll, he won't hate it at first. It's going to start out good, like Sherlock did with lots of like, you know, fun touches of the sort that Dave enjoys and like creative formatting and and shooting style and good casting and it will hook dave and then he will start to hate it like if it lasts (laughs) into a season three that's when it's gonna lose him because that's pretty much what happened with sherlock sarah you disagree um i agree with you up to a point um because of the you know the moffat factor the moff factor that it is pretty predictable not only that dave will start to hate a Moffat property, but right about when, as you said. However, 
We'd all like to hope that this production team learned from their mistakes when they produced the ill-starred 2013 Dracula on NBC. That is the source of Extra-Hot Dracula correspondence. Um, but this property is very tired as it is and probably should be like forcibly put aside in pop culture for like 20 years until people finally figure that out. We're going to keep getting stuff like this. I don't think this team's um, like Sherlock style wizardry with format is going to be enough. And I think he is going to hate it. I, we don't know anything about this yet, right? We don't right, know no. when it's set. We don't know who's going to be in it. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. So all we know is you. Yeah. <laughs> and Dracula. <laughs> so, I know. So, so here's how I would like it. It either has to be a colossal shit show, high concept, high failure. I mean, I will say that like, if you take the, the quality problems of Sherlock as a given, like, I don't really know their history beyond Sherlock. Like I know Moffat has something to do with Dr. Who, but I don't watch that. So here's, here's the thing. It's gotta be for me not to hate this. It's gotta have some terrible hook. And that terrible hook might be the kind of stuff they embellish Sherlock in, but it's like, like way out of place when they do it in, in Dracula. Like, I don't know what that is. Like Dracula's texting and stuff. Like I find that kind of funny. <laughs> Or if it's like Dracula through the ages or something like, I don't know what they're going to do. So I think it really hinges on the foundation, how they're going to peg this whole series. Dracula's adventure through time, you know, with this sidekick, Rennie, you know, (laughs) and and they have fun adventures. I got to say, guys, at this point in time, it's a wait and see. I can't call it. I need more information and it's not casting information. I need to I need a little little where we're going from Moffat and company on this one. So uh, we're going to have to put a will Dave hate this pin in this one. And when we get more information, we'll have to do a quick update. So nobody loses, nobody wins. But I do have uh, a special note from somebody who wants to chime in on this one. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Three notes, actually. Hello, it's me, Dracula. I have one thing to say about this at this moment. Blah! <laughs> Today's day word is sesquitennial. Sesquitennial. Nope. Sesquitennial. No, nope. Sign, sound it out. Sesquitennial. No. No? Look at it again. S- I'm sticking with that. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Sesquicentennial. Oh, sesquicentennial. That's why I'm saying sound it out. You missed a whole syllable. It adds up. The math makes sense. <laughs> he doesn't like you. He's grumpy as can be. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to see. Time to ask. Will Dave hate this? Probably. Oh, my God. More Will Dave hate this. Announced uh, last week. Damon Lindelof is developing a Watchmen TV series for HBO. I say Dave will hate it for the following reasons. One, Damon, the Damon Lindelof factor, even though he kind of semi won Dave back for as many episodes of The Leftovers that he saw, he bailed on Lost way before the rest of us did. Trailblazer. <laughs> he <laughs> loves the Watchmen book and he hated the Watchmen movie and all of these combined for Dave will hate this. Sarah. Um, 
I myself will hate this, will not watch it. Uh, I think Dave will not hate it because having a foundation text may control some of Lindelof's tendency to disappear up his own ass Hmm. with various sliding door scenarios and mysteries that lead to other mysteries that lead down holes that lead to polar bears that lead nowhere. Uh, I found the book real overrated and this is not for me, but um, I think Dave bailed on lost i bailed on lost early too but i think dave and i bailed at around the same time and dave had not started resenting lost for existing (laughs) by the time he bailed i think so there's a chance that he will not hate this i had in my notes depending on whether he enjoyed the original and if he did i think the chances are good that he will not hate this wasn't the leftovers a book yeah, before? it was. So, but they but they basically wrapped up the events of the book in season one. So oh, season then, two and season three were free balling it. Ah, okay. And that's when it got good. <laughs> Although the, to... the author of the book was a, a consultant or a writer. That is true. Of, yes, he was. He was a producer. Yeah. Everybody, when they decided this was going to be movie, it was like, oh, movie's too short. This needs to be a series. They need to take their time with it. It was like a graphic novel. It was like a bazillion issues. And there's a lot of story in there. And there's a lot of great detail, a lot of great character stuff. So it made sense that um, it should be a series. Much in the same way I always thought like Sandman was going to be a movie and American Gods was going to be a series. And if they had to do it, they should have flipped that. It should be Sandman should be the HBO series if it ever got off the ground. And then like American Gods could easily just be a two and a half hour movie. Anyways, Watchmen deserves to be a, a series. And so if it's at HBO, that's the best place for it on TV. It's going to get the biggest budget. With Game of Thrones wrapping up, they're going to want another tent pole to get all the nerds in. They got West. Oh, World. that's a good point. They're, so I think they're going to be faithful to the uh, tone of the book and to uh, what's happening in the book. But the benefit of why Watchmen, the movie, was you know, like had existed is now everybody knows what not to do. We don't need a movie that looks exactly like the comic book. You just want to capture the spirit of a comic book and what, you know, the crazy Gandalf-esque author was saying about, <laughs> you know, the state of comics and the Cold War and, you know, all that kind of stuff all wrapped in one. I, I would like them to keep the squid in the in the series. Or really, that was my, like, number one. I, when I read that... If I the, had a nickel, folks. When I read that in the comic, <laughs> when I got to that place in the comic book, my mind was blown. I was like, had a big shit-eating grin on my face. There's a giant squid in Times Square and there's dead people everywhere. What the fuck's going on? This is amazing. And then they like just turned it into a bomb in the movie. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I am given that people really thought that the leftover season two and season three were good. Uh, and the, season one was good too. Okay. But season two, season three being off book, right? Yeah, yes. Um, we're good. And that seems to have rehabilitated that guy's reputation. Yeah, he also wrote um, that Alien movie. Oh, yeah, right. So he's hit and miss. But <laughs> but what I'm saying is with HBO money and HBO resources and having a big fan base that is eager for something that wasn't the movie, I you know, we're not going to see... A re- we may see some new mistakes, but we're not going to see those mistakes. And I think like <laughs> if they're allowed to explore a little bit uh, around the original Watchmen storyline and not do all that horseshit stuff they did after with beyond watchmen or watchmen today or whatever the fuck that stuff was um <laughs> i think babies? there was there was like a follow-up i forgot what it was called oh, it was like watchmen like each character had like a follow-up 
series or something like Watcher that. Watcher Men. <laughs> um, anyways, I think uh, that this has the potential to be something Dave will not hate. Hey, Sarah wins again. Yeah. Sarah, Dave's true wife. <laughs> It is time to go around the dial for stop. Tara Ariana. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when Eve was here. RuPaul's Drag Race just had its season nine finale last Friday. Oh, it was so good. This season was, uh, we got a press release yesterday from Logo, or sorry, from VH1 telling us that this was the most watched season ever. Of course, the mistake I just made tells a little bit of the story, moving it from VH1 to, to sorry, from Logo to VH1 certainly helped. Because I think more people, you know, get VH1. Lots of people may get Logo and not even know it unless they're flipping around the dials and there's a Golden Girls marathon on or something. But um, good move from the from Viacom. And uh, the finale this time went with a whole new format, which was like a round robin of lip syncs. Um, and Eric Lillian, who wrote about the finale for us, pointed out that what a smart move this is because – in at least one case, Sasha had never lip synced for her life at any point in the season. So we hadn't seen what she could really do other than in a, like a team challenge or something like that. Um, or, you know, a prepared thing that they did for the runway. And so she was amazing. Like if you watched it, you don't need me to tell you it was incredible. And there were so many great reveals with skirts coming off and wigs coming off and flower petals exploding out of gloves and wigs and, uh, it was such a journey. I can't describe how great it was. So if you haven't watched it, even if you didn't watch any of the rest of the season, if you have ever liked anything about Drag Race, watch that finale. It was a motherfucking revelation. I cried. It changed my life. For my plugs, um, I will just mention two. One returning and one new podcast, Show and Yell, our Hollywood Game Night Project, uh, pro- Hollywood Game Night podcast that I do with Joe Reed. Take a breath. Right. It was back. Uh, the show has been off for close to a year because, as we said on the Show and Yell podcast, Joe and I are the only two people in America who actually care about it. But uh, you can subscribe to that, Show and Yell, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Show and Yell. Sorry, Show Yell. And um, coming tonight, as you, if you're listening to this when it comes out, a catfish podcast woo, with <laughs> me and Sarah. Um, this is replacing my seasons and seasons of extremely exhaustive uh, <laughs> coverage of Catfish <laughs> on Previously.TV. Sarah came up with the brilliant name Two Old Hookers, so you can search <laughs> that in your the podcast app of your choice and subscribe, and you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Two Old Hookers, and there will be visual aids and lots of, uh, you know, GIFs and pictures being tweeted and Facebooked through the week, so... Uh, join us for that. Uh, the episode, first episode drops um, right after the episode airs on MTV. That'll be the mid-season premiere. Uh, so, yeah. All done. Kim, what do you got? Well, three of my favorite reality competition shows are returning for summer. And I just wanted to make sure everyone knows about them in case you, like me, find out about all upcoming shows through this podcast. <laughs> Uh, first is the revived Battle of the Network Stars on ABC on Thursday, June 29th at 9 o'clock. And instead of just random celebrities like they used to do back in the 70s, not that there's anything wrong with those shows. <laughs> and if you sometimes can catch them on ESPN Classic, they're amazing. But in the new version, they made themed teams. So you might get Cops, which features both Larry Wilcox and Eric Estrada oh, competing. Shit. 
Yeah. Ooh. Or you might get TV Kids, which has both Jimmy J.J. Walker and Mackenzie Phillips. I mean, this couldn't be more in my wheelhouse, seriously. Um, and they're going to do battle in the kayak relay race and the tug of war. And it's even at Pepperdine, just like the original was. Oh, wow. So I'm super excited about that. I just want to mention, break in here, sorry, before you move yep. on, to, to tell our, again with this listeners, Ian Ziering will be participating. If you saw yes. the uh, tweet of his arriving on set and wondered what the hell that was about that I retweeted last week, that is what it's about. So uh, if you want to see how he looks these days, check him out. And second, the 30th season of The Challenge <laughs> premieres on Tuesday, July 18th. They're calling it the Dirty 30. And it brings back most of the people you remember from recent seasons like CT and Cara Maria and gross John Bananas. But also Derek from Road Rules Extreme, who hasn't done a challenge since 2010. And Veronica from Road Rules Semester at Sea, who, if you don't count the recent pros challenge, hasn't been on since 2009. Um, they they're Derek upping the prize money. Season. Pretty who, sure. Who Which was Derek? Are we talking about like old school oh, Derek? Derek. Wow. Yeah, the wrestler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy. Right. Um, I keep trying to quit the show, and then they'll have that one person, and I'm like, fine, I'll watch that. Damn right. it. Um, and so for old school viewers like me, it should be a real treat. I'm excited about that. And then finally, Summer Classic Big Brother returns on Wednesday, June 28th, which is probably tonight if you're listening to this on release date. But if you missed the premiere, don't worry. As I said previously on this very podcast, the beauty of Big Brother is it's really dumb and colorful. And you can skip weeks at a time and then just pop right back in without missing much. And in the summer, after spending a full day with my seven-year-old twins, sometimes <laughs> I just want to turn off my brain after they go to bed. And this is the perfect show for that. So, And I actually had a dream last night that Dr. Will was my actual doctor, like my general practitioner. And he was actually really good. He was a really good listener. So, um, Did he kill his wife? <laughs> no, not that I know of. We didn't get into okay. that in the dream. Crossover with the uh, recent episode of The Blotter Presents that Kim was on. Yes. <laughs> Kim, yes. Indeed. Kim. Yes. So um, my plug is for my podcast on the previously.tv network of podcasts, Little House on the podcast. I just said the word podcast like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the most recent episode currently airing is the Christmas at Plum Creek, which features the O. Henry Gift of the Magi storyline. And coming up next, I'm super excited about this. I've started watching it, is an episode called Family Coral, which features Nels and Harriet Olsen getting a temporary separation. And the whole town gets involved to try to get them back together. So lots of hot goss in that one. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Good hot prairie goss coming at you. (laughs) Charity, buddy. Uh, Boy band. Uh, it's great. Oh, I mean, really? It's, it's not great, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's like perfect summer TV, Kim, to, you know, take notes. Uh, the sound in the pilot was off of all things. Like it sounded like everybody was on parabolic mics for some reason. Um, and I want, uh, I want Aaron Carter to be, or Nick Carter, whichever Carter that is, who cares? It's Nick. Thank I you. I care. I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
I apologize. And Jolene cares. Thank you. <laughs> um, I want him to be, he looks fine, by the way, but I want him to be, he's trying to be the Harry Connick Jr. of this panel and it's not happening. He's really vague in his advice, which is unfortunate because I think he has a ton to say. So I hope he starts doing shots of uh, bourbon before, <laughs> uh, before they start taping. But um, the other judges are Baby Spice and Timbaland. They're, pretty charming, especially together, like when they're slow dancing during one audition or singing Tennessee whiskey. (laughs) Uh, So it's not anything groundbreaking, but if you liked any of the iterations of making the band, regardless of who the Svengali was and what channel it was on, if you thought Rita Ora was pretty okay on top model and kind of got jobbed on the whole host thing and might've been a better Aaron Andrews than a Michelle Visage anyway, if you always wanted to see Nick Carter try to be brainy and fail because he's too unspecific and inarticulate, or if, as who among us does not, you'd like to have conflicted feelings about rooting a little too hard for the 14-year-old puppy-footed beatboxer J-Hype and his acne cheekbones, <laughs> trust me, this is the show for you. Uh, there's a fair amount of processy stuff about performance and about all the different like tools that you have to have to be in a boy band. So that was sort of interesting. Uh, the premiere was okay, but you don't need it. Like it cleared off most of the chaff and you can jump right in now. It airs uh, Thursday nights on ABC and episodes should be on Hulu shortly thereafter. But if you want to just jump in and skip over all the sob stories about how they're doing it for insert family member here, uh, then you're ready to roll. I recommend it. Perfect the uh, the ABC Thursday night lineup is pretty hot now with Boy Band at 8, <laughs> Battle of the Network Stars at 9, and The Gong Show at 10. So we've covered hey. all of them for you now. Go, go forth. <clears throat> You're a cheeky monkey. Um, my plug is, as mentioned, The Blotter Presents. Uh, our episode with Kim, I think, was episode 11. We talked about uh, some Cosby material and also Kim's brush with um, the murderous doctor of her hometown. Uh, coming up this week, or today, actually, as you're listening to this, it will have already dropped. Chris Huff patiently uh, dealt with two Eileen Warnos properties, including Overkill, the Eileen Warnos story starring Gene Smart as Eileen Warnos. Yes, Ooh. it exists. No, it's not that bad. And then we're taking a week off, and then Crime Writers on Toby, uh, Crime Writers on's Toby Ball is returning to talk about H.H. Holmes and that special event miniseries on the History Channel week after next. So look out for that. We're on Twitter at Blotter Presents, and you can find us in any old podcast app that you use to listen to stuff. Uh, Let's talk about Glow. Uh, We have watched the whole series here at Extra Hot Great Hawaii, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So good. Yeah. um, It's, you know, the most amazing thing about this series is that uh, it made me like not hate real Mark Maron because I yes. hate I hate actor Mark <laughs> Maron's character so much. Yeah, I'm a what amazing casting of him, like, but perfect. Yeah, like, he's like so the good on the show. To play. Yep, yeah, for sure. It's very oranges is a new black, and that makes sense. This is from some of the creative team uh, yeah. from that, but it has that same ensemble dip in and out of everybody's story kind of feel to it, and I think they're really enjoying sort of the no pun intended freedom of being outside of the you know, the prison environment for the writing, you know, it kind of, and it's a great choice of subject matter. Um, it really just comes all together with the, uh, with the costume design of the eighties and, and fun, but like nuanced 
romp-ish kind of thing going on. Tara, what do you say? Yeah, it's great. The the action, the wrestling parts are really well done. It does such a good job of like building the audience's knowledge because they they obviously had some idea that a lot of people are going to watch this because it's a show about women as opposed to a show about wrestling. So right. the way they show you how moves are done and and like how training happens and how you learn and the choreography of it is fascinating, but also the relationships among the characters are so well developed and also build in such a organic, like believable, slow way. Other than two who have a pre-existing relationship, and that's a big source of conflict through the season as well. Um, but it's it's great. It's so it's so well done and so much fun to watch and just you know a hoot and very positive, but also real. Like it's uh, and Allison Brie is wonderful, and if you. Ever wanted to see her fuck Harry Crane when she was Trudy Campbell? <laughs> you got that too, I guess. That's not much of a spoiler. It happens in the, in the premiere. Um, but yeah, hugely recommended. I can't wait for them to do another season. I loved it. Uh, yeah. And um, if you're watching, I heartily recommend the You Glow Girl podcast here yes. on Previously.tv. That is hosted by Allison Lohuff and her husband, Chris Huff. They talk about uh, sort of the main event of each episode, and then they kind of go into uh, some of the gender politics stuff in the 80s, uh, how this portrayed on the show, and sort of the best moments, the worst moments. And it's a tight little podcast, about 20 minutes per episode. And we're sort of doling them out twice a week, three times a week um and there's already two up by the time you hear this might be three up uh it's a great companion to watching the show which i heartily recommend it is time for the canon kim reed is submitting this week take it away kim sometimes i get a little tired of every comedy writer talking about how cheers is one of the greatest sitcoms ever and i'm like Come on. And then I watch an episode and I'm like, okay, fine. They're right. It's fantastic. And I could have chosen at least 10 episodes from the series run that I think are canon worthy, like the one with the Thanksgiving food fight or the one where Cliff goes on Jeopardy is a classic. <laughs> but I just, de- but I decided to go with the first season's two part finale. So I submit for consideration in the canon season one, episodes 21 and 22, Showdown. So the through line of the first season, in case you live on Mars and have never seen Cheers, was the will-they-won't-they relationship between bar owner, ex-pro baseball player, and ladies' man, Sam Malone, and prissy, educated barmaid, Diane Chambers. And it seems like a cliche now, and maybe it was a little bit then, but the opposites definitely attracted, although both of them were too proud to admit to their feelings for one another. And instead, they covered their attraction with banter, as we hear in our first clip. Coach, I'm going to be in the back checking the wine. Okay, Sam. Good. Would you uh, like to join me? It's quiet, empty, dimly lit. Oh, much like your mind. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you say? Sam, you talk a lot about our having a dalliance, but I've always been told that barking dogs don't bite. Biting, is that what you're into? Do you know what bothers me? There are women upon whom this works, and they're allowed to vote and drive cars. (laughs) So that's just a sample of how they related to each other all season. But what brings their season-long banter to a head is a visit from Sam's previously unmentioned older brother, Derek. And it turns out that Derek is better than Sam in every way, and Sam's always been incredibly jealous of him. So once Derek arrives, 
everyone loves him. And rather than try to cast someone who's better looking than Ted Danson, which would be a tall order, (laughs) they just don't have Derek appear on screen, Vera style, throughout the episode. (laughs) So Derek's back in the pool room with every single customer in the bar while Sam's alone at the bar. And Derek can do anything. He manages to get Norm a great job. He teaches coach Spanish. He entertains the bar's customers with Irish drinking songs, trick pool shots, and tap dancing. But most importantly to Sam, Derek is getting closer to Diane. So Sam gets a reality check from Carla in our next clip. Boy, sounds like the stick lady's having a good time. Is that Diane's laugh? I thought they were killing chickens back then. You know, he really got to her when he told her about that time in Paris when he got drunk with Anais Nin. Wow. Really? Yep. I was hoping you'd know. (laughs) Yeah, Derek's always been like that. Always had to have the spotlight, had to be the center of attention. Yeah, well, you know, if it's any consolation to you, Sam, I know how you feel. I got a sister who's got me beat in every way. She's five foot two. (laughs) Her husband never has a drink until noon. And she's a beautician. (laughs) I mean, how do you compete with that? I said to myself, to hell with her. I'm me. What you're trying to say is I'm as good as my brother? You kidding? You're not even as good as my sister. (laughs) But I still like you best, Sam. That makes two of us. Hey, uh, Carl, wait a minute. What do you think? Uh, You think Diane likes Derek? Does Diane like Derek? I don't know, Sammy. I'll pass her a note in Jim. Hey, no, no, come on. I'm serious. I mean, I know what my brother's like around women, and I, I know Diane. You know and... something, Sammy? I used to admire you, but you know what's happened to you ever since she got here? You've turned into a big weenie. You're a dink, a wimp, a Fred, a loser. Well, thank you very much, Carla. I was having a little bit of a confidence problem, but that's been a real boost. Well, you know, just a few weeks ago, you were making time with every foxy lady in Boston on your way to legendary status. I mean, Sammy, you were heading for the Hounds Hall of Fame. Then Lady Fishface walked in the door. What's going on here? Oh, I don't know, Carl. It's driving me nuts. I mean, maybe she's playing hard to get. But, but hard to get for me used to mean I'd have to sit through dinner. <laughs> Well, if you can't get to her, no one can. What about Derek? Oh, in a minute. (laughs) Don't worry. He's got better taste than that. (laughs) So Diane knows that Sam's incredibly sensitive about Derek. So she comes back out to the bar and tries to buck him up. But then she also reveals that Derek has asked her to fly to Martha's Vineyard with him. And Diane was clearly expecting Sam to object and to admit he has feelings for her. But that would be incredibly out of character for Sam as written. Sam doesn't do long-term relationships, and he doesn't have feelings for his romantic partners. So as the audience would expect, Sam insists he doesn't care what Diane and Derek do. But as Diane heads back into the pool room, Sam can't resist one last jab in our next clip. You know what your problem is, Mr. Malone? 
You are afraid of your feelings. I am not afraid of my feelings. I don't have any feelings about this. Whatever you and my brother Derek want to do is okay with me. I don't care. Fine. Please don't go. What? What did you say? I said I have no feelings about this. No, no, after that you said something. It sounded like please don't go. Please don't go. Are you crazy? Come on, Diane, you got to get over this egotism of yours. Hey, come on. <laughs> go, go with my blessings. Have a good time, really. <sighs> Please stay here. Wait a minute. What was that? There at uh, the end, you said something. Hey, come on, you're hallucinating. Would you? Would you get out of here and have a good time, please? Go on, go on. Okay, I'm glad you understand. If you go, I'll die. What? <laughs> no, I'm oh, come, hey, come on, you're coming unglued. Please go. Have fun. Come on. Okay, I'll go. There you go. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go freshen up. I'd rather stay with you. What? What'd you say? I didn't hear anything. So watching this as a grown up, I realized that Sam is gaslighting her and kind of a dink. But I remember (laughs) watching this episode either when it originally aired or more likely in reruns. And I was just gutted. I think if you're watching the whole series, seeing Sam vulnerable like that, even under his breath, was just shattering. I also think the problematic nature of the moment is saved both by Shelley Long's comical reactions each time. And then her topper at the end where she says, I didn't hear anything. And they share a long, meaningful look that indicates that they both know what's going on. Diane needs Sam to say it to her face if anything's going to happen. And he won't or can't, so she leaves. And later, when Sam's closing up for the night, Carla has some questions for him in our next clip. Sammy, would you just tell me one thing? What do you see in her? Who? The one who was off on a Learjet with your brother. The one who can't stop talking, the geek. Carl, I know she's not perfect. I know she talks too much. She's all those things you said. But there are times when I'm with her, she just irritates the hell out of me. (laughs) That's what you're looking for? Maybe it is. I don't know. Hey, I know what you mean. You know, I'm always falling for guys I hate. My whole life has been the wrong man at the wrong time in the wrong place with the wrong birth control device. (laughs) (laughs) Sam. Yeah? Who ever thought, even for a minute, about you and me? Sure I have, Carla. A recent minute? Carla, is always afraid you'd be too much woman for me. You're a wise man, Sam Malone. <laughs> so I think that clip is important for a couple of reasons. One, if Sam can't admit his feelings to Diane, it's important that he admit his feelings to us, the audience, so that when he backs down like he did in the previous clip, we know how much he's at war with himself. And second, I love how he responded when Carla asked about them being together. So I just wanted to include that part because I always love the friendship between Sam and Carla. When we return for the second half of the two-parter, some time has passed and Diane has been out with Derek every day. 
Diane comes in on her day off and confesses to Coach that Derek asked her to fly to Paris with him. And she's interested, but she still doesn't feel great about it. So she tells Coach why, and he has some advice for her in our next clip. Let me ask you a question. Diane, you're asking a guy who's taking a lot of fastballs in the head. (laughs) You sure you want to ask the question? Coach, do you think I'm a smart person? You're the smartest person I ever met. Well, I, Diane Chambers, bred and educated to walk with kings, once offered a full scholarship at the Sorbonne, have allowed myself to become attracted to a six-foot-three-inch bubblegum card. Well, gee, I think I can help you with the sore buns, Diane, but... uh... (laughs) Yeah, the rest of what you say is all over my head. Coach, I'm making a confession here. Not just to you, but to myself. Maybe I'll feel better after I say this. I... I... I got it. I got it. I, you're hot for Sam's chill. I think Keats would have said it differently. <laughs> but I'll accept that. Look, Diane, if you like Sam at all, I don't understand what the problem is here. Derek's making a commitment. All I ever get from Sam is adolescent flirtation. I'm not sticking around for that. If you give me something, anything, I'd stay. Diane, Diane, you, you, you don't understand Sam. Sam's the kind of a guy, you know, he keeps his feelings to himself. I mean, the more, he, the more he cares about something, the less he shows it. I've been with him through his divorce, through his boozing, through the end of his career. And let me tell you something, the tougher things got, I mean, the cooler he got. You know something? It's a damn sure bet that if he's not expressing himself to you, he's nuts about you. Or he couldn't care less. <laughs> so in the previous clip, we heard Sam state how he feels about Diane, but not to her. And in this clip, we hear Diane state how she feels about Sam, but not to him. This is a great setup for the conflict to come because we know how each of them really feels and it makes the tension coming up nearly unbearable. Diane decides to finally take the bull by the horns and talk to Sam honestly. She knocks on the office door and she tells Sam about Derek's offer, but he's ice cold in response. So this leads into the final act of the episode, which is all Sam and Diane. Diane makes to leave several times, which leads to a running gag where everyone calls out their goodbyes, but then she turns back around to have a final word. Sam and Diane's rapid-fire dialogue is reminiscent of the best screwball comedies. Finally, Diane and the audience can't take it anymore, so she goes and gets a chalkboard and she scrapes it with her fingernails, a torture designed to get Sam to blurt out, please don't go, and it works. They finally admit their feelings for one another, and all seems to be going well until Sam says maybe they should kiss. And then they start arguing about whether or not it's okay to announce your first kiss. Diane doesn't think the moment is right, and that leads to this argument in our final clip. Maybe this whole thing is just a mistake, huh? What whole thing? Well, this this whole thing that we're trying to do here. I mean, every time we try to get together, something goes wrong. I mean, look, look, just because just I'm a neat-looking guy and you're kind of hungry at the moment doesn't mean that... The... Hungry? Oh, no, no, don't, don't, no, 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 listen, listen, what I mean by that is you've been here a long time. Now, if something were just going to naturally happen, it would have happened by now. It's silly of us to try to make it happen. Oh, fine. You tell me this now that I've let Derek go. Don't, no, don't throw Derek in my face. Now, you never cared for Derek. You just used him to trap me. Trap you? Yeah, that's right. I'm the best 
best thing that could have happened to you, and you're too stupid to realize it. Are you kidding me? You are the worst thing that happened to me. And before you came here, I was a happy man. You honestly believe you were happier before you met me than you are now? Hell yes. I mean, how do you think it feels to be attracted to someone that makes you sick? <laughs> I could write a book on the subject. You can't shut up long enough to write a check. You know, as a matter of fact, you can't shut up at all. You are trying to change the subject. No, I'm not, no, I'm not. The subject is you can't shut up long enough to kiss me. You know, to save your life, I bet you couldn't shut up for 30 seconds. Make it 10. Oh, I most certainly could. All right, let's see, huh? You're going to time me? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to time you. 10 seconds, starting now. This is the most. You want to try again? <laughs> Try. You want to see me do this? All right, fine. Starting now. This is the craziest thing. Good. Really good. All right, so I can't do it. Silence is overrated anyway. At least I have something to say. Meaning I don't? The last conversation I had with Derek <laughs> was about walking on the moors like Heathcliff and Catherine, and, and I threw it all away for this. Good. I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do. Why <laughs> Why don't you just uh, go find Derek? Huh? Fine. It shouldn't be too hard to find him. Just uh, follow the sound of applause. Maybe I will. Maybe I can still catch him. Fine. And while you're up there floating around, remember the day I said this. You are the nuttiest, the stupidest, the phoniest fruitcake I ever met. You, Sam Malone, are the most arrogant, self-centered... Shut up! Shut your fat mouth. Make me. Make you? <laughs> Wait, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce you off every wall in this office! Try it and you'll be walking funny tomorrow. <laughs> or should I say funnier? You know, you know, I always wanted to pop you one. Maybe this is my lucky day, huh? You disgust me. I hate you. Are you as turned on as I am? More. <laughs> <laughs> and then they make out. And I should have mentioned the extended laugh break in there was because Diane opens the door to leave the office and the entire bar is all crowded <laughs> around the door. And one of them has a glass up and they're all listening. So that was why people were laughing so hard. So I know that was a long clip, but I honestly could wanted to clip the entire last scene uh, because the chemistry, both acting and romantic between Ted Danson and Shelley Long was palpable. The writers did an incredible job of just ratcheting up the tension to the highest possible point and then letting it die down a little bit and then ratcheting it up again until by that final moment, it seemed like if they didn't kiss, something might explode. Of course, Sam and Diane's relationship was never going to be smooth sailing, mostly because they were so different and so stubborn. But there's a reason that even today, 34 years, I'm old, after this episode originally aired, people still refer to this dynamic as a Sam and Diane type relationship. It was really difficult to choose clips for this episode because I would find a scene I felt was important and start watching it to track where the clip should start and end. And then I'd look up to realize I'd watched half the episode again. Every single one of these clips could have gone on another three, four minutes and captured even more exemplars of the TV sitcom. This show is iconic because of the supporting characters who I didn't even have time to delve into in this presentation because of the acting from Danson and Long and mostly because of the superlative writing and directing. There's not a wasted beat in these two episodes. And by the time you get to that final act, you're watching sitcom gold. 
So for those reasons, I ask that you consider Cheers Season 1, Episodes 21 and 22, The Showdown, into the canon. Thank you. Sarah, why don't you go first? Um, Okay. I'm glad that you mentioned that there's not a wasted beat because one of my notes uh, says that this goes by really fast given how little is actually happening. Like it's kind of the same fight just occurring in different parts of the bar over and over again. Um, But this was such a delight to watch. Uh, It's such a packed episode. Like there is also a little bit of like sitcom-y bar business, like the two women who come in and they want tea. And then one of them's like, well, I guess I'll have a sherry. And the other one's like, that, well, why don't we have a wine? And then the next thing you know, they're getting boilermakers and starting a tab. And it's just <laughs> flawlessly done. Um, the classic like screwball farce structure that you mentioned is really great. Um, this is, of course, a you know iconic TV moment. But my favorite bits in the episode were being reminded of the cheerful commitment of even background players with no lines to, to bits that the whole bar is in on. Like you see that door gag coming, like they keep showing the door. There's a clear camera setup that you're like, everybody's going to be behind the door listening, but it's still funny. It's still enjoyable when they get to it. Um, And there's, you know, there's the chemistry that you mentioned there's like typical Norm and Cliffy stuff. There's Carla being a, you know, pregnant and mean to Diane and the <laughs> choice not to show the brother is so smart. And um, I, I wouldn't say that I prefer coach episodes. Like there just weren't that many in the end, but he like, he brings something different that when you think about cheers, you don't always think of coach. And uh, I like I like his energy. I like Woody too, but uh, I like Coach's energy. So this was really fun to revisit. And um, weirdly, like I was never that into Ted Danson's whole scene. Like watching the show when it was originally on, which I didn't necessarily do regularly. And then even in reruns, it was like him and really and, like this legendary hairpiece. And then <laughs> when he was in Fargo, I was like talk about digging his chili. (laughs) Um, So that's what sort of like tipped me to the magic of Ted Danson. And now coming back and watching him, you know, 30 years before that is like, okay, I, I get it. I see. (laughs) So yeah, what a, what a delight to watch it flew by. And I had the same problem you did. Like I was like three episodes into season two the other (laughs) day before I realized, well, I guess I could stop, but why it's such a good show. Tara. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so as we said about Barney Miller in the last episode, this does not feel like it's aged hardly at all, considering it was 34 years ago. And speaking of 34, that's how old George Went was when this episode <laughs> aired. I looked oh my it up. God, that boggles the mind, truly. Yeah. Um, he he lived hard for those first 34 <laughs> years, I guess. But anyway. And now he, he kind of still looks the same. Yeah, he does. That's it's true. He's just always <laughs> been that. I mean, he's like, he's got, well, I, you can't call it Seth Rogen disease if he had it first. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, you're right about the banter, of course. And that was like the engine that ran this show. And, and it was so well written and well delivered. I mean, that that final scene with Diane and, and Sam in the office, this is going to seem like a dig, but it's like, it's, it feels like a play like that. There's <laughs> just the two of them 
and they're they're so good playing off the audience by that point because this is you know the season one finale and and um and so even when he says things like I'm gonna bounce you off every wall in this office you're like yeah right <laughs> like you don't it doesn't actually feel like a it, like it's actually threatening at all and you know it's hard to get away with a line like that if the actors don't get it just right and the writers too of course um so that's that contributes so much to to why that works um. Off camera, Derek, very funny. You're right. I don't know who they possibly could have cast to be that guy who like also sings. I mean, he just they're everything he they have him do off off camera, and even having him like in the crowd of people that comes out, so you hear his voice but you don't see him. So funny. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a neat looking guy is a line I'm going to steal about myself every time I post a selfie. So thank you for that, Kim, because that never would have happened if I hadn't rewatched this. This was great. Excellent choice. And a, a, a serious a, a, a TV moment that we've all seen in like, you know, countless Emmy montages over the years. And the, the build up to get to that first kiss is amazing. And so well, well chosen. Dave. Yeah, I agree. So I'll just uh, a couple side pieces, I guess I'll just contribute and then we'll uh, do a vote. Norm's line of uh, when he's talking to Diane, he says, uh, if Vera ever left me, I wouldn't know what to do. One first. first. (laughs) It's such a great piece of writing. Uh, Made me laugh out loud. Uh, The other part I want to talk about is the part that Kim was talking about in the last clip. There's the laughter break where they're all crammed against the door. Just logistically, (laughs) <laughs> They're so it's like those, um, you know, Ivy League college, like cramming into a car or a phone booth kind of scenarios where they're not only like next to the door, but somehow there's like people like at the top of the door as if they're standing on backs. <laughs> like, I'm just wondering, like, when they did it, were there like stools and stuff involved that they practice? And then when they out, like, sort of disassembled, were they just sort of like whisked away within the mass of people that you didn't see it? Because it really it's feels like you can't see. Yeah, it really feels like there's like a couple layer or three layers of people there going on. Cause there's like, it's not that they're crammed around the door. It's just like, there's a uh, verticality to that whole thing where there's faces. The at entire the door frame is filled yeah. with faces yeah. yes. though, not yeah. people faces. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that was just, I was just like, Oh, I just, I, I wish maybe it's on the DVD. If anybody's watched a DVD and there's like commentary and they talk about that, I'm genuinely interested if there was any sort of like, uh, you know, set stuff going on that uh, that made that happen. That was a great moment. Yeah, this episode was directed by uh, James Burroughs, like, oh. who, you know, who directed a lot of Cheers episodes, and he did win an Emmy for it. So I'm guessing the Emmy was for uh, a- ability to build yeah. a doorway full of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could do that, and that could be an Emmy. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with you that. You know, it would be That's interesting legit. to have an Emmy for like one super, like, you know, specific thing like that every show is going to try to cram in like the crammed door thing somewhere in their season just to get that emmy anyway think about yeah. hollywood mm-hmm. so let's put this to a vote i uh, that was just i agree with everything else people said i just wanted to bring those two points up tara ariano what say you yay sarah d bunting yay i will also say yay cram doorways full of yays it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> So that means Cheers Season 1, Episodes 21 and 22 Showdown. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Great Cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. 
and will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It is time for winner and a loser of the week. Tara has her winner. Winner is the aforementioned Damon Lindelof because he has turned his Instagram account, which you can find at Instagram.com slash Damon Lindelof, into an, uh, <laughs> a last day of Emmy voting meme festival all involving uh justin Theroux and his sweatpants on the leftovers <laughs> i can't possibly do it justice describing it you're huh. just gonna have to go and look at it and it's it's really really funny and he's right the sweatpants must come off do the right thing emmy voters wow and loser of the week <laughs> um i have our loser that loser is myself here's why <clears throat> Law and Order True Crime Menendez has just cast Elizabeth Reeser, my sworn nemesis on TV, and uh, not in some bitty little role where she's only going to be in a couple of the episodes of the miniseries. Oh, no, she's playing the prosecutor, Pam Bozanich, so we're stuck with her. Boo. Uh, Speaking of things you're stuck with, you know what time it is? (laughs) You're welcome. Game time? It's game time. Welcome back to another Game Time. This is the sixth Game Time of the season. Scores are Tara 3, Sarah 1, Value Guest 1. Today we are playing... These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. <laughs> Number 2 from David Dickerson, who earns himself an extra credit. Yay! Redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. In these are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. You must identify the show from the Dave. Okay, that's all there is to okay. it. Okay. All right, let's throw it to Piggy. We will start with valued guest. All right, we're gonna go Kim, Sarah, Tara. Are we ready to play? These are the days I know. Number two. Yes. Here yes. we go, Kim. This sexy scientist love interest breaks up with a main character on New Year's Eve because he has to go to Minsk. (laughs) You need the show? The show. Friends. Correct. Yeah. For one point, right? Yes. David Lee uh, Fletcher is the free-spirited documentary filmmaker who was Quinn's first husband, whom she abandoned, and who shows up in their wholesome little town in season seven to try to win her back. Sarah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Can I have the first bit again? David Lee Fletcher is the free-spirited documentary filmmaker who was Quinn's first husband. Dr. Quinn documentary woman? <laughs> that is One Tree Hill. Oh, sure. In oh, this anthology up, series, Tara, mm-hmm. Canadian child actor Matthew Leminch L-E-M-C-H-E Okay. plays David, as in air quotes, who is the school bully on the episode Calling All Creeps, where he later gets turned into a lizard-headed monster. A creep, if you will. What's that show? Erie, Indiana. Yeah, good guess. Goosebumps. Okay. Goosebumps. Michael French, Kim played yeah. car dealer David Wicks on 433 episodes of this long-running British soap until his character died of a heart attack in 2014. <laughs> you got a 50-50 shot, probably. Yeah. yeah. EastEnders? Yay! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
David was the name of the main character in this 1970s TV show, although in the comics, his character was named Bruce. The Hulk? You want to restate that answer? Do I? (laughs) No, I don't. The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk is the name of the show. David Karkovsky was a jock who used to bully Kurt, though it was later revealed that he himself was also gay. Glee. David Rossi, the lead character on this show, is played by Joe Mantanga. 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 That's criminal mind. That wasn't coming out right no matter what. This David, who appeared twice on the show, is a young human boy in a wheelchair, not a singing dinosaur. <laughs> not a singing dinosaur? No. Uh, Barney and Friends? Correct. Well done. Oh, that's the first one I get right? Okay. <laughs> Dave, played by Matthew B-O-T-U-C-H-I-S. Tuckus okay. is, well, you know, doesn't help, but that's fine. Go is ahead. the only openly straight employee at out TV. Although Jack calls him Elizabeth. Will and Grace. David, the flying Hawaiian is the star quarterback at Arlen high school. In the episode, Piggy makes the big leagues. Peggy, not Piggy. Peggy makes the big leagues. King of the Hill. Yes. King of the Hill. Math teacher, David Gibbs. Used to date Amy, but he keeps making appearances after the breakup because he's a big fan of Sheldon's work. Big Bang Theory? <laughs> TV's only Sheldon. <laughs> Thank God for him. Well done. David Rosen is the assistant U.S. Do you want to answer now? <laughs> Scandals. <laughs> the Dave here is an annoyingly precocious young boy at a bar mitzvah who pesters Max and Carolyn. With lines like, yo, 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 what's up, cupcake bitches? <laughs> Two broke girls. In the 10th season premiere, Frank finds Valine unconscious. Valine survives and says that Jill had tried to kill her, although Jill had provided herself with an alibi. David is that alibi. Jill claims he was sleeping with David in San Francisco at the time and therefore could not have been their fictional coastal could not have been in their fictional coastal California suburb. Wow. Good Lord. A lot of stuff happening there, but what's that show? Oh, boy. Uh, Pacific Heights? Ooh. I don't know. Knott's Landing. No. All right. Bring us into our first score break. This very minor David appeared on three episodes of this HBO series, most notably one titled Blue Balls Lagoon, but he was never credited, which seems appropriately douchey for this show. Can you repeat just the beginning? This... After Blue Balls Lagoon? <laughs> what? Just the tip. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you say that again? I didn't just under- repeat the per- the first part up to Blue Balls Lagoon. This very minor David appeared on three episodes of this HBO series, most notably one titled Blue Balls Lagoon. Sex in the City? Uh which seems appropriately douchey for this show, Entourage. Wow, of course. Okay, Kim is in the lead with five. I have three. Sarah has two. All right, Sarah. You know what that means. Uh-oh. You are in. 
the rename the the Dave Equalizer Zone just for this episode of These Are the Days You Know. Here we go. Which of Sergeant Bilko's corporals did Alan Melvin play? You know, Dave. <laughs> and of course, is Corporal Henshaw. What legendary TV comic cameoed on General Hospital as Mickey Miller? Legendary TV comic. Uh, Jackie Mason. Milton Berle. Oh. What cookbook author was Dan Aykroyd lampooning when he said, I've cut the dickens out of my finger? (laughs) Julia Child. Yes. Does Ricky Ricardo smoke? Yes. What Dallas character won custody of John Ross after Dusty admitted in court that he was impotent? Who, Ellen? Yeah! All right. points, right? Yeah. This is uh, a bonus for a bonus Dave point here. Uh, these are the Daves I know, which means multiplying by three, so it's three Dave points. Okay. What's Felix Unger's ex-wife's name? Oh, Jesus. Shirley. Marion. Gloria is Gloria is Gloria. Sorry. Back to the game. Good job, Sarah. To Kim. Thank you. Yes. Adam Goldberg plays Dave, a struggling comedian who is the best friend of the show's star, who is also a comedian. <sighs> uh, that's Jim Gaffigan show? Yeah. Correct. Oh, nice. That's not number 19. I don't know why I pressed that, but let's just, uh, we're not going to press it again, guys. So that was your 19. Here are question <laughs> seven, 17. Cool. The spread eagle. Spread eagle. Dave was a teenager who was killed and then impersonated by a shapeshifter from the alternate universe in the episode Brown Betty. Fringe? Correct. Jim Carrey guest stars as himself playing title a title character in the movie Leap Dave Williams. 30 Rock. Michael Hutchinson is regularly seen as Dave, who is Scott Bakula's slightly dim-witted boss at the dealership. Um, men of a certain age. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Don't know where I pulled that one from. Cars. <laughs> <laughs> Played by Northern Calloway, this David took over the store after Mr. Hooper died. Oh, Sesame Street. In the very first episode of the show, a party at series regular Dave's apartment led one of the main characters to meet and later sing about the most beautiful girl in the room. Flight of the Concords? Okay. British person Dave is David Cross's only employee as he attempts to sell Thunder Muscle Energy Drink in England on the IFC channel. What the... The... Many Adventures of Todd Margaret? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right, but you're wrong. The increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret. So, yeah, I'm going to give you a day point, though, because... You know. Good. That was a tough one. We watched that show. Dave Walker is half of a married couple who want to have a baby through a surrogate after the tragic death of their previous child. He comes to Naomi for help, but they also need Addison Addison to perform some surgery. 
Apologies. Private practice. Yeah. Yeah. David, sorry, Dave Park is the maladjusted Korean American son of the title character, a physician. Dr. Ken? Okay. <laughs> David Lister is the main character of this British sci-fi comedy about a man who wakes up on a ship after three million years in stasis to discover he's the last human being alive. Uh, I have no idea. That's Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. At an L.A. party on this show, David Hasselhoff, playing himself, quotes Supreme Court Justice William Brennan on the First Amendment. <laughs> Veep? Anybody? Is it Baywatch? It's the West Wing. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> playing himself, David Bowie episode. shows up on this show to improvise a song about the little fat man who sold his soul. <laughs> Extras. Extras. Playing himself, David Schwimmer bumps into his former castmate at a director's birthday party. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Episodes. Episodes. Hmm. When Tim accidentally loses his wife's wedding ring in a furnace and throws the dinner into the trash compactor, he gets some advice on how to deal with women from a regular guy named Dave, played by Dave Chappelle. Benson. It's Tim from Home Improvement. Bring us into our second score break. Dave Foley, playing himself, is dragged along on a quest to confront an internet troll when all he really planned to do was be a guest on the Stars podcast. Marin? Correct. (laughs) Okay, this is exciting. Uh, I have eight. Sarah and Kim are tied with seven each. Ooh, seven each. Ooh, and they're tied. I, I think you should give them both the chance. All right. This has got to work just because I don't want you stealing answers. Uh, you take turns answering first for each one. Okay. okay or okay. do you want to play together? Do you want to pool your answers? Let's pool your answers. Oh, Let's okay. I like that. So then it, so it, they, they can, they both have a chance to win two points That's correct. together as a team. What U S okay. state is the setting for I dream of genie. Can we confer? before? Yes. We... <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then, um, well, Sarah, I think it has to be probably either like Florida or Texas because he was an yeah, astronaut. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. Any either I'm of not those? Sure, which it is. Um, let's go with Texas. Okay, Texas, Florida. Ah, sorry, ah. she washes up on the beach, guys. What family's fortune had grown to ninety-five million during its last TV season? <gasps> I don't know why Tara's gasping. I'm either. nervous. I, maybe it's Sarah. This is not an answer. I'm just talking to Sarah. Maybe the Beverly Hillbillies? I would say that this sounds like a dynasty. Mm-hmm. And so then, what family? Right. But Carrington? Carrington's? Okay. Carrington. Carrington. Clampets. Kim was right. Damn! Oh! I guessed because I thought it was dynasty. 
I didn't know. know. I didn't know. <laughs> How much did it cost Dr. Wells to build the backup for the $6 million man once inflation has taken its toll? So they built... Yeah. The backup for $6 well, million dollar man cost how much? More than $6 million? Uh Technically correct. <laughs> I defer to you since... <laughs> uh, I'm going to say $8 million. Oh, $7 million. All right, you got to get all these. What Saturday Night Live regulars review of the film 1941 included Take the Kids Out to See Meatballs Again? Uh, Meatballs, a title of something. Is it yeah. a character name or a cast member name? Regular. Okay. Yeah, cast. Yeah. I think it has to be Bill Murray because he was in. Meatballs? Sure. Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, God. What line in an advertising jingle proceeds bananas have to ripen in a certain way? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to have to sing the whole thing to myself. It's all you. I don't know. While you're thinking about that one, here's the last question. What game show host declared ad nauseum survey said? Think about that one. Got an answer to the bananas? No. Um, Eat your bananas each and every day. I'm a Chiquita banana, and I've come to say bananas have to ripen in a certain way. (laughs) All right. Last one. Survey said is who? It's Richard Dawson. Correct. Okay. So score breaks, please. Sorry. Okay, uh, nothing's changed. Kim and Sarah still with seven each. I've eight. Okay, very close game. Okay. Everybody has two questions left. Oh, okay. here we go. Kim, David Fisher is a gay carjacking victim. Six feet under. <laughs> Dave the cook, who works at the Brick, is in the Clan of the Bear. Although the actor William J. White was Scottish, not Native American. Northern Exposure? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Davy Gillis is away at college and only sees his younger brother three times during the series. I assume it's Doby Gillis, but I don't know what that whole title is, so I don't know. The Many Loves of Damn Doby Gillis. Damn it! I'm, yeah. Well, you knew that much. That was impressive. So, a day point for The you. increasingly poor decisions, decisions of, of Doby Gillis. Gillis. <laughs> wasn't, that the, wasn't that the little creature from Harry Potter? Doby Gillis? He was... <laughs> Do- uh, oh, Dobby. 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 Yeah. This 1960s claymation character had a preachy-ass dog. Davy and Goliath? heavenly (laughs) beings visit a circus to help normal sized Davy Tucker to come to terms with the fact that his father is a little person in the episode a clown's prayer (laughs) oh my god that needs to be watched heavenly beings visit a circus to help normal sized Davy Tucker come to terms with the fact that his father is a little person in the episode a clown's prayer <laughs> Touched by an yes. angel. Wow. What? <laughs> Amazing. Uh Davy Belleville's father is a small town produce vendor named Jackson. Naming Davy's mother or godmother would make this question w- way too obvious. This is Gilmore Girls. Correct. All right, scores, please. We're all tied up. Oh my god. What?
It's Here we a are. Three-way tie. I would like to know the Dave points, please. Totals to date. Dave points. Oh, it's bananas. Um, Sarah has like eighteen hundred Dave points. Somehow uh-huh. you gave her some okay. at some point. Value guess. I value guests have one hundred and forty-two. Yeah. I have eighty-nine. All right. That means. <laughs> Sarah. Sarah. Sarah gets two oh, points today it. for winning, for winning tie, and also for Dave points. And I'm giving valued guess one point for coming in second place. Tara gets nothing. <laughs> so lots of movement today, thanks Woo! to these are the days I know. Part we know two. some Daves, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot. Great. Dave points are reset. Okay. We settled in for Playing House's third season and asked the question if Dave will hate the new Dracula and Watchmen. We then went around the dial with stops at RuPaul's Drag Race, Kim's upcoming reality roundup, Boy Band, and Glow. Like Sam Malone in his heyday, Kim made a successful pitch for <laughs> Cheers Showdown for the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Sarah was the big winner of this week's game time, but value guests also pick up a point. Remember, we're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano, Toth Kewel, Sarah D. Bunting. Is your wife dead yet, Ed? And Kim Dave Reed. <laughs> Diane's a pencil neck geek. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. So, no sex? No. We just ended up watching the DVD extras of Happy Feet 2 with a divorcee named Dave. Oh, that's tough stuff. This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Welcome to The Naked Scientist. What is a panic attack? You might get to see a hedgehog. I'm the world's first IVF baby. What a wonderful time to be alive. We're landing on the moon. (laughs) Every week, our podcast covers cutting-edge news, great stories, and hands-on science. Science. And that is to say, physics, medicine, nature, or space, time, the brain, life, the universe. Subscribe to The Naked Scientists on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.